The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Genesis chapter 39, yesterday, uh, a couple days ago really, we started a process of walking through this story of the time that Potiphar's wife was attempting to seduce Joseph and the temptations that come with it. And we walked through the different things that we learned about Joseph and how to deal with temptation. So we got some great principles and lessons from that. And if you had didn't, if you missed those, I encourage you, if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, go back and, and watch them. If you want to listen, you can go to our website and download them. Uh, you can go to Spotify or Apple Podcasts, places like that, and you can retrieve them, and subscribe or listen to them there. But truly, I think helpful tips from there and helpful principles from the Word of God. Today, we uh, yesterday, we started this aspect of as a result of Joseph doing right, and being obedient and, and really showing integrity, he finds himself being thrown in jail. And frankly, you know, the old phrase, no good deed goes unpunished. Really, the question comes down, can this really be God's plan? And uh, we talked about the idea, which I think is worth reminding us. Joseph was given a dream, a vision, back in uh, when he was 17, as a kid being told that one day he would have some level of authority, at least over his brothers and his family. Uh, didn't don't know how it was going to happen, didn't know how it was going to present itself or what it would look like in any manner. But it's easy for us to humanly think, how could a pit, how could being slavery, how could be now being thrown in jail? Everything that's happened since the day of that vision has only, humanly speaking, seemed to have driven him away from what God has given him. And remember, in those days they understood dreams were not well, was, was it really a dream? They were visions. He, they, he understood, his father understood, the brothers understood the reality and the ramifications of this dream. So, humanly speaking, he could have said, obviously, you know, I've done something. and he, There could have been a million things he could have thought. But for what we see in the passage is that Joseph maintained consistency and faithfulness to God and obedience and integrity and a testimony and all of those things. So yesterday we talked about the idea, uh, really looking at the idea that all things do work together for good, that, that God can use this and will use this. He'll use people who intend to do you harm. He'll use people who will lie about you. He will use friends, family, you know, enemies, whatever it would be that somehow Satan tries to use to hurt you. God will use that for your good. And so today we're going to build on a second principle, similar but a little deeper. So the principle yesterday came from Romans 8.28, that all things do work together for good. That God can use whatever you're in and will use whatever you're in for his glory as you walk with him and you're doing right. Um, so I'm gonna, let's go back and read Genesis 39 real quick. I'm going to get to the part. Uh, let's go to verse, um, go to verse 19. 39 verse 19, it says, And it came to pass, when his master heard the words of his wife, which he spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in prison. So we see the story. What we're looking at is the fact that his integrity produced a lie, a lie which, his, which Potiphar believed and ultimately ended up putting him in to jail. Well, we believe Potiphar believed. Let me give you a thought on this, just one thought. 
And I've read different commentators. There's a lot of different people who differ on this. And so what, I, what I'm going to state is from what I'm reading and what I can get, there's not a guaranteed fact of what I'm going to say. I can't say I guarantee this from history or anything. And maybe someone else has a fact that I've missed in, in my study. But let me, let me tell you one thing interesting. Generally speaking, for a slave to do what Joseph had been accused of doing, for a slave to have attempted to do something physical to the master's wife, Remember, slaves were just products. They were just items. It was just nothing more than an animal, really, to the people. Joseph should have been put to death. It's just the way slavery was. If there was an issue, you did something wrong. You know, in modern history, if you stole something, your hand was cut off. If you tried to do something like that, he actually should have been killed, not placed in prison, especially not in a prison where the king's prisoners are. We'll talk about that a little bit in a little bit. But so there's, there's, there's reason to believe that when Potiphar responded, that Potiphar knew his wife and understood those things, so instead of doing what was his right to do in killing this man who had supposedly done this, he put him in prison. And not necessarily a better way, but understanding he had to do something to appease what it looked like, but he didn't necessarily want to kill him. And it's worth believing either way. And that doesn't make a difference in the story. What we look at is God still used Potiphar to put Joseph in a specific place. So... I'm going to go back to the verse we looked at yesterday. I'm going to read that one, and I'm going to read the second one. We looked at Romans 8, 28, and it says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Verse 29, uh, it's very important. Sometimes we run away from this verse from what is the perceived controversy, but let me, so let's read it real quick. It says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now, what happens is there's two words in here that amongst theology uh, have been used as a great argument and a belief on the area of election, predestination, foreknowledge. And these terms are used, I believe, um, they're used as controversial terms today, really to make theological points. And uh, I think that, unfortunately, sometimes we spend more time debating amongst theologians instead of just kind of setting aside and looking at really what's being said. So the words in here that sometimes are controversial, he says, for no, predestinate. The two words that are causing grief. Now, first of all, I want you to look at a couple things real quick. He did state foreknowledge prior to predestination. Some people will say that God predestined and therefore foreknew, and they swap it around. That's not the order that God, through the Holy Spirit, put in Scripture, inspired word of God. And by the way, if you want, what you can do is you can say, well, is the Bible really inspired? I'm not sure. The moment you eliminate the belief of inspiration and preservation, then there's nothing. If you're going to say, I don't believe the Bible's been inspired or I don't believe it's preserved, then I have no reason to listen to you anymore. Because now what you're doing is you're going to twist Scripture to make people say what you want to believe. And you now place yourself as the authority over Scripture. So here's what it is. Scripture is either inspired, preserved, and is exactly what God wants us to have for this time, or it is not. There is no in-between. So someone who wants to say, I don't know, and that's not what it means, let me tell you what it means, how they literally are imposing themselves as the authority in that scripture, and that is unbiblical, it's sinful, don't listen to them. So let's look at exactly the way God put it in scripture. So he says, for whom he did foreknow. The word foreknow, some people say forechose. It's not what it means. Some people said elected. There's other words using election. God does teach that. That's not this word. The word simply foreknow. Now, we don't use the word foreknow today. We use the word like foreknowledge. We use knowing ahead of time. Really, the word foreknow is though for, for who he did know ahead of time. It's all the word knows. Foreknow, foreknowledge, to know ahead of time. It does not mean chosen. There is nothing in there about the sovereignty of God 
doing anything in the area. He says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. So foreknowledge came first, then predestination came second. So what's the point? What we're looking at is what was predestined at this point? Who was predestined? So foreknowledge came first. Here's what simplistically it's stating. Who God knew ahead of time would choose to accept him as his savior, he predestined to be conformed to the image. That is actually not salvation, that is sanctification. So, for those he knew would choose. See, I don't believe that God picks and chooses who can be and cannot be saved. The Bible says God is not one that any should perish, but all come to repentance. And yes, the Bible teaches election and predestination. It absolutely does. But you cannot yank out the verse where God says God's not willing that any should perish and all come to repentance and then put this in there because you think this verse is more important. The Bible has to work in harmony. It does work in harmony. And if you start pulling verses out that don't work to fit your point of view, then you are not interpreting correctly and biblically. So if he does say in Scripture, you know, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God's not one innocent person. All come to repentance. For God's love the world. All of these different things and many more like them go back to the idea that anybody can choose. But God knows by his knowledge, his omniscience, omnipotence, omnipresence, all of this, who will? So he says, for those he knows will choose from their free will to accept him, he has the predestined will of God for them in the area of sanctification. Now, in simplistic form, when God knew you were going to get saved, he has a pre-planned will that he wants you to follow. He's not forcing you to do it. It is not something for which he is going to you know, punish you if you don't do. Here's what it is. He's got his plan, his will for you that if you follow results in blessing and results in fruit and ministry, results in, in many different things like that, then there's a choice you can have to say, you know, I want to do my own thing. As a Christian, you still have a free will. What we're looking at here, God back at the beginning of the story in Joseph said, listen, here's what I'm going to tell you. He gave them something we don't get. I'm going to tell you by the time, you know, in, in at least 13, in in 13 to some odd plus years, you're going to be in a position of authority. So Joseph was at least given that. Remember, there was no true scripture, so this is how God talked, spoke. And then remained silent after these two dreams, remained silent for a long period of time. At that point, he find, you know, he's betrayed by his brother, he's sold into slavery, he's a slave. Now he's about to be thrown in jail. All of this for doing right. God says, I have a will for you. Joseph at any point could have said, this is ridiculous. He could have said, Dad, I'm not going to talk to the brothers. They don't like me. I'm not doing this. Potiphar, I'm sorry. I'm just going to live it up because I'm in slavery. This is ridiculous. At any point, humanly speaking, he had the will, the free will, to make a choice not to do this. But in this case, he didn't. We see his free will. We see his free will because God had told him back years earlier, I have a plan for you. So in practical application today, here's what happens. He says that when we get saved, he's got a perfect will to, so we can be conformed to the image of his son. Right? He's got a plan for us that we can be fruitful, effective. Simply put, the principle is this. Joseph being put in prison was part of God's greater plan. It was part of God's greater plan. See, how could you say that? Again, we know the story ends, and so it's easy to say that. But if you were to look at it, in, in the time it's running, how do you say that? And here's one great proof. Notice in the verse we read that this was the place where king's prisoners were put. You say, why is that important? He could, have put him in, he could have killed them or put them in any prison. But he put them in the one prison where those who worked in the presence of the king were. The one place, the one and only place where a Hebrew child could be that could prove God's blessing upon his life to reinterpret scripture. It's the only place where he could have been in the presence of somebody who could have introduced him to Pharaoh. It's the only place. 
There's no mistake that Joseph was put there. There's no mistake that Joseph used the wife. There's no mistake of any of this. So when God says, I've got a plan for you, if you stay in my will, I will use all of these things to perform my predestined will for you if you're willing to follow it. So this is my plan, and it's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to make sense. And yes, it's narrow, and yes, boy, why? And it's going to be confusing. That's why I trust the sovereignty of God in all of this. And so I choose to stay in the center of God's will. I choose to be faithful in the center of God's will. I choose to, be, to continue to obey and, and have character and all of these things. Even when everything seems to fall apart, I choose to stay there. Because this is God's will, and God does not make mistakes, and he's given that promise. All things work together for good because I know I've been saved and because of that he has given me a perfect will and now I can follow. We talk about the will of God. That's his works established. Do you want God's will? How do you follow it? Remain faithful where you are right now. That's one of the steps. We could spend a whole other episode in figuring out the will of God. But let me tell you this. One of the most simplistic things to understand is to know God's perfect will long term, you need to be informed, uh, part of his, temp his current will. There's certain things you should be in church, be involved, you know, be witnessing, doing things that God's commanded everyone to do. Be here, be faithful, do these things. And when you do these things, then God will reveal a greater will for you, even when things don't make sense. See, when things fall apart, we have a tendency to run away. But James told the church, listen, count a joy in your fall into diverse temptations, knowing that these trials will develop patience, maturity, and growth in your life. Joseph said, I don't get it, but I will remain faithful. So and I, I purposely am kind of digging apart this time because I think that there's important things for us to learn, not just kind of run through, well, we know that Joseph ended up, so this needed to happen. Uh, yeah, we know that reading it because we've heard the story since we were kids. But in today's day, when the same similar things happen to us, we do right and everything seems to fall apart. God must not love us. That's not true. We do right and everything seems to fall apart. It could be exactly what God is using to put us in the one place that we can be fruitful, effective for him. Does it make sense? Trust me, Joseph is ultimately blessed. I don't know how God will end with you, but it doesn't matter. God is good. God is gracious. God is loving. God is long-suffering, and he wants to use you. So just remain faithful. Put your trust in him and wait and see what he does. It's exciting. It's, 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 a, it's an exciting journey of just trusting God and watching him work in amazing ways. And I promise you, he will never, he never, ever, ever fails, and he will not fail you. Thank you for taking this week with us and today with us to look into the Word of God. We'll finish this section we talked about Monday as we get one more principle from the idea of what's happening here, and we'll evaluate that from Scripture as well. So thank you for taking this time. If it somehow was a blessing to you, I hope you share it and encourage others. Put a review on Apple's or Apple Podcasts or Spotify or uh, tune in these places it's on. It's always a help and encouragement. We greatly appreciate anything you can do to just encourage us in that area. Hope to see you Sunday here in person or online. We hope you have a great weekend. Thanks for joining us.